1: On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport.
2: Good evening and welcome to the home of British Boxing, Fight Night on TalkSport. Every single Saturday night we get stuck in to the biggest topics that are dominating the headlines in the world of fight sports, whether it be in the ring or whether it be in the octagon. We will cover the lot over the next couple of hours. Uh, Gareth Davis, who's normally alongside me, is at the Copper Box Arena tonight, so hopefully we'll catch up with him post-11.30, live from James DeGale's dressing room. James in action. He's just about to make his ring walk. Uh, and we'll be getting you updates from Don McGuinness on that particular fight. We'll also get a little bit of a recap as to what happened with Lee Selby, uh, big Daniel Dubois, and Anthony Yard as well. Lawrence Socoli is going to be on the show, as is Conor Ben both fighting this Wednesday on Katie Taylor's Undercard. Matt Macklin is out in New York City. Uh, with uh, Michael Conlan and the uh, Lomachenko rig on fighter Madison Square Garden we'll get an update from him and we'll hear from Billy Joe Saunders who fights in Canada next week uh, my illustrious colleague uh, from the award-winning Fight Disciples podcast Nick Pete, is alongside me it's going to be an action-packed night if you want to get involved with the show at any point you can 08717223344 is the telephone number you can text on 81089 And you can also tweet me directly if you wish, at Adam Catterall. Any topic is open for you. This is your show as much as it is mine. Make sure you're with us all the way through the night. Uh, now then, before um, myself and Nick get stuck into this ridiculous rumour of McGregor and Pacquiao going oh. toe-to-toe, I know, don't even start, don't start yet. All right, just keep your powder dry. What we're going to do, we're going to go to Don McGuinness just to get a little bit of a recap as to what has happened at the Copper Box earlier on this evening because I'm just looking at the screen now. Gail's about to make his ring walk, so let's get a little bit of a recap. Don, welcome to the show. How are you, mate?
3: I'm very well. Nice to speak to you, lads. Yeah, it's been an interesting one so far anyway. I and mean, in Daniel Dubois that you mentioned earlier, just incidentally, to, to start the show, Joe he he won by a TKO 11 of the 12th rounder against Lee Churcher in the opener. And then Dubois was, again, explosive and brilliant against Dorian Dutch, who gave it a go. He was down once, the Welshman in the first round, down three times in in round two, and that was enough. So Dubois goes to 6-0, six knockouts in his first six contests. He's going to be stepped up now, you feel, because, again, fantastic performance. Anthony Yard did the business again against a really tough operator that we've seen before, fight the likes of Callum Smith in Sia Clotcher, and, again, managed to be the first man to stop him. So a real statement from Anthony Yard, stopping him in the fourth round. I mean, had to, you know, weather some mini-storms as well in there. So a great learning fight from Yard, who moves to 14-0, 13 inside. The distance again. Big names in the light heavyweight division for him as well. Lee Selby. Well, it was a very underwhelming fight for him, really. It went the distance, unanimous decision in his favour. It was reasonably wide and comfortable, but certainly wouldn't be the kind of performance that you know he'd want. But again, I think that with all the issues with Ramirez in the other corner being overweight, uh, not making weight, so obviously the IBF title was never going to lose uh, from Selby's grasp. Really, overall, just a a little bit of an anticlimax, but he got the job done. Josh Warrington ringside wants that fight. Selby wants that fight. Looks like that might happen next year, so that's one to look forward to. And we're uh, about to get underway now with the main event. Caleb Truax from Minnesota, who has been in good company, but every time he has stepped up, he has been beaten by the likes of Jermaine Taylor, also Daniel Jacobs, Anthony Durrell. So mm. you would imagine James DeGale should have too much from interesting, though. Turek's coming out to rock and roll star from Oasis. It's not often that you see the, <laughs> the, the U.S. Good boys lad. come out to that kind of tune as well. But, you know, James DeGale fighting in his hometown for the first time since May 2014 when he was on the undercard of Froch Groves 2 mm. uh, when he beat Gonzalez that night. So it's a, a good moment for him, and he's going to want to put on a show in front of the Copper Box fans.
2: Top man, Don, we'll keep up to date with you. We'll be back with you in about fifteen minutes for a little bit of an up uh, update on James the Gale and Caleb Troix from the Copper Box. Uh, Arena, you're a big fan of uh, Triple D, aren't you? Daniel Dubois, he's uh, knocked out another kid in, in in quick fashion and a and a tough kid as well, a guy that's been around the block. In yeah. Dorian Darch. Well, this is his first real marker for me. Dorian
4: Darch is, you know, he's 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 kind of dealt with all the up and coming British boxes. He's been there, he's wore the t shirt, and uh, you know, but Triple D he just keeps he just keeps putting them and putting them away. You know, he was super explosive. He had Darch down three times before the mm-hmm. referee finally, uh, you know, waved it over. Uh, for me, he's absolutely the real deal. We've just got to be patient with him. You know, he's a 20, 21-year-old heavyweight. You know, he's got 20 years in this sport. He's got time to grow. Just got to be a little bit patient with him. But you know what? All the tools are there. Adam, he can move. He can punch. He certainly looks the part. from what you're hearing. He's putting even better guys away in yeah. sparring. This guy's the real deal.
2: Mm. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more of a, uh, a recap on everything that's happened at the Copper Box later on with Gareth as we hopefully will have James Gale on the show uh, with uh, Gareth backstage there. Uh, now, I just want to start the show off with a little bit of sad news. For boxing fans, you will have heard over the last 24 hours uh, of uh, the, the, the sad uh, news that has come out of uh, Eric Scogland's camp. Now, Eric who is familiar with boxing fans here in the UK because he fought... Callum Smith in the World Boxing Super Series final, put in a fantastic performance in Liverpool. He was absolutely sensational that night, but Callum was a little bit better and beat him. He was due to fight this weekend against Rocky Fielding um, on the Belieu-Hay undercar, which obviously got pulled because David Hay pulled out of that fight. Uh, and we've heard over the last 24 hours that uh, Eric um, is now in an induced coma. Uh, he collapsed after a, a routine training session, nothing too strenuous, but he collapsed after a routine training session. They discovered the bleed on his brain. They put him in an induced coma. They've operated him on, uh, on him, should I say. And the next four to five days are incredibly critical. So all our thoughts and prayers here on Fight Night and in the boxing community as a, as a wider source. Uh, are uh, are with Eric and his family. You spent a bit of time with him actually, Nick, in Liverpool yeah. when he was fighting uh, Callum Smith. You spent a bit of time with his dad and his family. He came across as a top fella. He
4: was. He was an absolute diamond. You know, I, I went to the I went to the gym, watched them train, and I went back to the hotel with the family. Uh, his fathers as coach, his brothers as chief sparring partner, his girlfriends as nutritionist, yeah. and his mum is like the uh, she's like the, the tour manager if you like. She holds it all together. So it really is a family business for the Scoglins. And uh, just just those few mo- hours that I spent with them you know they were real genuine people and in the post fight as well obviously I spoke to them all afterwards and they were congratulated Callum wished them all the best for the tournament and said they'd love to come back to the UK and you know his Twitter followers just exploded because of the way he was over here so fingers crossed you know as you say we're all thinking about and positive thoughts going over to Sweden Mm. and hopefully we see him make a full recovery
2: his his career was just about to kick off as well after that that fight with Callum I mean fighting Rocky this weekend he won a lot of fans here in the UK and I've no doubt a lot of people are uh, hoping and praying that he is, uh, he's, uh, well, he gets his health back, first of all. Forget fighting at this moment in time. Get your health back. Uh, Eric, we are thinking of you. Uh, now, on to other matters that have uh, come to light over the last 24 to 48 hours in the world of boxing. Um, this ridiculous rumor uh, that seems to have come out of absolutely nowhere. It, it actually seems to have come out of Instagram. A lot of things come out of social media these yep. days, doesn't it? Uh, now, on Thanksgiving, th- wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. on Thanksgiving, um, uh, over in the States, um, Manny Pacquiao. Wished everybody a happy Thanksgiving, but yeah. he did that by posting a picture of Conor McGregor. Now, as part of the uh, wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving and giving thanks for all these fantastic things that are in people's lives, he told the champ champ uh, to stay fit, stay healthy, and he will see him soon. Well, it turns out after uh, ESPN interviewed Bob Aram, a man that looks after uh, Manny Pacquiao over the last 24 hours, that Bob Aram has confirmed that talks have begun. Begun, Nicholas. They have begun. Uh, for uh, a super fight in April between uh, the Filipino wizard that is Manny Pacquiao and the UFC champ-champ that is Conor McGregor. Now, listen, mate.
4: This is one of those I
2: hate to say, I told you so moments. Yeah, you did, did, to be fair. I mean, when um, Mayweather-McGregor happened... I got on the bandwagon. I yep. enjoyed the event. I enjoyed the circus. I thought, do you know something? It's a one-off. Let's mm-hmm. enjoy a little bit of Thunder Lips and Rocky. Let's enjoy that because that's what this is, okay? But once it was all done, I was the first to say, in the, in, in the, as the dust was settling, I said, listen, we've had a fun now. Let's all move on. You go back mm-hmm. to the UFC. You go back to boxing. Let's all crack on and let's forget that this ever happened. We all had a bit of a laugh. Yep. But you said straight away, listen... million in somebody's back pocket. It's going to happen again, this. It might be, you said Malinadji, to be fair, didn't you? Yeah, I did. We didn't anticipate, first of all, Manny Pacquiao coming out of the woodwork, and we certainly didn't anticipate Oscar de la Hoya, who's been making noise that he fancies a little bit of Conor McGregor as well. Yeah. This is dangerous. This whole thing is dangerous for boxing because money could ruin a lot of new fans to the sport's idea of what boxing is.
4: Not just boxing, now I think UFC and mixed martial arts takes a hit as well. This is this guy's the biggest star the UFC's ever had. And they said, "Oh, okay, then we'll let you go and do this one fight and then you come back, you defend your belt. You know, you kind of got two divisions. I know the featherweight belt's moved on, but he still walks around as the champ champ. He still claims he's the champion of two weight classes in the UFC. There's still the asterisk next to the current champion. There's still the asterisk next to the interim lightweight champion. The UFC as well needs Conor McGregor. They need him as a star. Mm. You know, don't forget that was sold for $4 billion just a couple of years ago on the strength that Conor McGregor was going to be there to generate gate revenue and he's not there you know the writing was on the wall two weeks ago when Dana White came out and said I think that's it for Conor you know we may not see him in the UFC again I was thinking you know what Absolutely, this is right. I, I, I honestly thought it was going to be Oscar De La Hoya because obviously he can smell the money. But now Pacquiao's come from left wing. You know, he can't beat Jeff Horn in Australia, but he can certainly beat Conor McGregor in Las Vegas, and they'll probably generate the second biggest gate of all time. That's the that's the horrific thing about it.
2: Well, the problem is this. That there, it does smell a little bit of desperation, a little bit from Manny's point of view. We know that he's taking on a, a political career. He's just been made a colonel in, uh, in, in the in in the the army, uh, yeah. uh, the Philippine army at this moment in time. He's looking for cash, obviously, to uh, uh, to generate uh, that particular presidential look at this moment in time. Uh, listen, if you're listening to the show right now and you're hearing us witter on about the possibility of Pacquiao McGregor getting in contact with the show, the Twitter feed is at Adam Castro. Do you want to see it? Now, I don't. I don't want to see it, but there's no. people out there that might want to see it. They kind of like this circus. I don't know. Get in contact with the show. We'll include you uh, throughout the course of the next couple of hours at Adam Catterall. Uh, now, coming up over the next uh, few minutes or so, we're going to be speaking to Connor Ben. Lawrence Cole is going to be on the show and we are going to be going over to New York. There's a super fight happening tonight between uh, Rigon Dow and Lomachenko. Matt Macklin is there because he's looking after Michael Conlon, who's on that undercord. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. You see the production team here at Fight Night, they know the score. They know the score. They know that I'm working with a scouser tonight, so they're trying to make him feel a little bit uncomfortable going into the Merseyside derby tomorrow because obviously the bigger derby, Nick, is the Manchester derby. Is that right, yeah? No chance. What are you talking about, man? Well, at least that'll be a game, the Merseyside derby, which I will be at, of course. Hmm. I'm
4: probably predicting, what do we do, midweek five? Probably seven, maybe nine.
2: (sighs) Nil-nil. 0-0 No 0 tomorrow. <laughs> not B- a you're going to get Big Sam. That's not a chance. <laughs> anyway, that's football. That's tomorrow and it's live on Talks Board. So make sure you're uh, tuning in to that. But I was just making the reference to the music there a little bit of Stone Roses, a little bit of Mancunian music. Yeah. Just want to make you feel at home Can we get some the Beatles
4: the Fab Four? Ready no, for the absolutely Memphis, not.
2: Maybe? Absolutely not. Oasis are coming up in a minute, seeing as that Caleb <laughs> Truex has just walked out to Rock and Roll Star. What an absolute legend. Uh, Don McGuinness, give us a little bit of uh, notification on that. How did the first round go, Dom?
3: It uh, went very well really as far as De Gael's concerned. He's had that shoulder surgery, but he wasn't shy in, you know, letting the hands go, some decent hooks, good power shots. And he's doing pretty much similar work in the, the second round. I think from his point of view, obviously, just to have that confidence in, in his body, and it seems to be the case. So certainly round one for De Gael was positive enough, and this his fourth defence, of course, of his IBF super middleweight title. So so far so good. And just incidentally, lads, I'll be at the Manchester Derby working for Talk Sport tomorrow.
2: <laughs> good lad. See he knows the score has done well done mate. Nice one. We'll keep up to date. With the Gale fight as it uh, as it progresses, uh, just regarding the because he is the I mean we've got to give him a little bit of kudos. The Gale is the first Olympic gold medalist to go on to become a world champion uh, from these shores. Obviously AJ has done that since, and a couple of others as well. Uh, but he is um, um, for me traditionally a fighter that looks amazing for four rounds, finds it a little bit easy and then goes for a little bit of a walk. And Mech's fights incredibly difficult for himself. We've seen that many, many times down the years. Now, okay, this year, he's been out injured. Mm -hmm. Um, He was on our show last week. Um, He's had a new bridge put in when he lost his front teeth, cracking Instagram pictures then from back in January against Badu Jack. He's had his shoulder done. He's had his nose done. Uh, he, He said he feels like the bionic man. He says he feels brand new. He says he's feeling sharp he has to kind of show that now doesn't he because 2018 potentially could be absolutely massive for James DeGale
4: it could be huge you know he's perfectly placed for me he's the number one super middleweight on the planet um, he's not involved in the World Boxing Super Series tournament which is going down right now the final of which is going to be around May time mm. I think he gets another defence in early in 2018 and then he awaits the winner of that for the for the ultimate unification fight really the ring magazine undisputed lineal uh, £168 champion but for me he's got to first put in a performance here you know it's it's almost three years I think it was or four years or four years nearly 2014 i think his last fight in the uk two and, was, and a half years it is yeah, on the so, groves
2: uh frotch undercard is when he was last in the uk so he's been on the road for two and a half years wow it's insane But mm. listen what he's done on the road has been fantastic outstanding, absolutely, absolutely outstanding. he's done everything back to front do you not know think he's gone Big out time. to the states yeah most people go to the states probably at the back end of the career once they've built a following up in the uk you know yeah. they dominate here in the uk then go to the states. He's kind of had a little bit of a flirt with the UK. Yeah, cleared off to the states, dominated. He probably got a bigger following in the, in the in America than he has in the UK at this moment in time. Would you say? Uh, absolutely.
4: Yeah. I think more. I think more international fans aware mm. where James the Gale is and would support him. I think the UK's always struggled to really resonate with fans. I don't know what it is with him. You know, it's um, maybe he could do with a stint in the jungle himself, really, just to connect with the Joe public, the paying public in the UK. But for some reason, for an Olympic gold medalist, he's never really got that fan appeal he's never really had those big numbers hence the reason why he's had to fight overseas and for me coming back to London now after what he's done over the last couple of years to be fighting here to be making this defence here with the potential of 2018 ahead we can't see a a standard James DeGale performance, the kind of performances that we were used to in the past. Fantastic start, goes for a walk and then pulls it out the bag down the stretch. Mm. He's got to do a number on this guy tonight. He's really got to show the London fans what he's all about. He's the champ. He's the number one. And we've got, to, we've got to see it here.
2: Especially when this guy has been in with elite operators before Daniel Jacobs, who you're a big yeah. fan of. Yeah. Um, he's been in with Durrell, who James has already beaten previously. Um, and he's come up short against those guys. And he's come up short emphatically against those guys. He was not out ta- in round one, I think, against uh, Daniel Jacobs. So therefore, he's got to, he's got to put on a show to yeah. that type of level. So therefore, people are reminded what James DeGill is all about. Because let's be honest, yeah. in the super middleweight division right now, the majority of people are only talking about Groves-Eubank Jr., which we're going to get in February. That's what people are talking about right now.
4: Because absolutely, that's the biggest fight. It was uh, it was actually Taylor who put him out in the first round, though. It was Jacobs he went a distance with Jacobs, which for me is is a Kudos. phenomenal achievement. Kudos, you know? yeah. But but you're absolutely right. You know the, the the country right now is not talking about James the Gale. The country is talking about Groves versus Eubank. But how he changes that is. He does a number on this guy tonight. He's got to get him out of there for me. Even if he wins every round, that's not good enough. We've seen you do that before, James. James the Gale's got to get this guy out of there inside the distance get on the microphone and make a claim for Groves Eubank the World Boxing Super Series winner coming this
2: summer I like the way that you uh, made a reference to fans as well because obviously you know how this show's going to run between now and midnight tonight and you know what's coming up in the Hall of Fame which kind of you're part of. You're yes. actually part of the Hall of Fame. One of them. Well, don't, don't give me too much at this moment in time, because later on we are going to be, we're going to be putting a set of fans. This is, a, this is the first time. Normally we put fights in. Normally we put fighters uh, certain occasions in the world of boxing. And I suppose that the latter of that is where the Hall of Fame is at this evening, because we are putting a group of fans for the first time ever uh, into the Hall of Fame. It's going to be coming up uh, just after uh, 11 o'clock. Getting a, few, a bit of correspondence, by the way. Uh, unsurprisingly from people on uh, the Mayweather uh, sorry the uh, Pacquiao, Pacquiao McGregor talk that we started the show off with and uh, we're
4: not getting people who want to see it are we
2: surely no, no 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 are you come on don't disrespect the people that listen to this show these are proper fight fans they know the score I'm just going to say, if we were to put this up as a Twitter poll, it would currently be on 100% no. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely 100% no. Is it in danger of fights like this? Because they are money-driven, let's be honest. And we know that there are certain fights that have been spoken about that haven't come to fruition. I think we can we can air it now because everybody knows about David Hay and Jimmy Manua from the world of UFC. Yeah. That fight was signed, sealed, delivered until Jimmy Manua got knocked out against Volkan Uzumir. Yeah. Um, And we've obviously now got talk of this. We've got other people mentioning, uh, for example, Francis Ngannou, who won last week in the uh, UFC, who's the hottest property in the UFC heavyweight division. There's people mentioning the likes of Anthony Joshua with his name. Stipe Maelcic, the current champion, has called out Anthony Joshua numerous times. So because of what happened with Mayweather McGregor, people have seen the dollar signs. Mm -hmm. And now is that in danger of ruining the sport? But more importantly for me, a lot of new eyes came to the sport on that night with Mayweather-McGregor. People were captured by the press conferences or whatever. They went to go and have a look, didn't they? Yeah. Now, okay, it wasn't the greatest. Well, I'm not going to go down and say it's the greatest fight of all time, but it wasn't terrible.
4: No, it wasn't. And
2: therefore, a lot of people will have looked at it and gone, oh, this is all right. I'll go and have a look at the next one. And then who knows what the next one might have be. been. the next one might be Lomachenko Rigondao that they watch later on and they might like that. Or or something or an Anthony Joshua fight or something like that. They, it captures their imagination. They come to the sport and then we start to breed new fans. But if we keep getting them, the the hardcore fans, the proper fans, are gonna get fed up, aren't they? People aren't gonna part with the money for it because they know that it isn't competitive. Let's be honest.
4: Yeah, absolutely. But then there's more there's more fickle fans or or, you know, mainstream fans that aren't necessarily all about fight sports. There's far more of them that are going to buy pay-per-views, which is why this thing will probably happen. Which is why from day one I said, Conor McGregor is not done with boxing, far from it, because he's just made more money in a boxing ring than he would ever have made, well, let's be honest, 10 times more in a boxing ring Mm. than he will ever make in a UFC octagon. So, and it's, it's just no surprise and Pacquiao for me is a, you know, if you're in Team McGregor, that's a legitimate opponent. That's a legitimate second fight. Mayweather's certainly not coming back. Okay, let's do the Pacquiao fight, and it will do massive numbers because both of them have got incredible followings. Don't forget, they've got this real tribal following. You know, everybody in Ireland worships Conor McGregor. Manny Pacquiao is the. Is the future presidents of the Philippines, let's be honest. They, they, it's insane. I've been at both their fights live and the type of fans they get aren't necessarily fans that would turn up and watch any boxing or watch any kind of UFC. They mm. are there for that athlete. Mm. There's this real tribalism around it and that's why it'll do massive numbers.
2: Well, with that in mind then, Anthony Joshua works in a crossover because he's got the exact same thing. Yep. I mean, we've both been to Anthony Joshua fights yep. and the fan base that goes to an Anthony Joshua fight isn't what we would class as a traditional uh, boxing crowd. Of course. I mean, the guy, let's be honest, sold out the principality on his own. He didn't yeah, even yeah. have an opponent properly that anybody really knew of. Okay, at Wembley, he had a great dance partner in Klitschko, but uh, in Wales, he didn't. And he did that on his own. But is there a heavyweight that could match up to him? I don't think there is in the UFC.
4: Not presently. Obviously, we mentioned Francis Ngannou earlier. He could become. He could become a superstar. And the thing about the heavyweight division in both sports is it's not packed. There's not this huge depth of talent there. So, you know, if Anthony Joshua was to clean up and, let's say, he moves forward, he he beats Wilder, he beats Fury, you know, he kind of beats Joe Parker next. He kind of knocks down all these people. There's not really much else to where does go, he go Yeah. financially yeah. but if Nganu was to become a big star in the UFC and, be, and retain the UFC belt a couple of times you know the average age in the UFC heavyweight division is probably about 42 so the talent there there's, there's not this huge pot for him hmm. the only issue I would have with that is the UFC now have been burned by Conor McGregor they will not repeat the same, the same issue they won't put themselves in a position where one of their biggest money driving pay-per-view stars moves to another sport because they've been burned now with Conor and I don't think Conor McGregor ever fight the UFC again?
2: Regarding regarding Francis Ngannou, how good is he in your opinion?
4: Uh, he's sensational, you know. It, For those that
2: it, haven't seen UFC two one eight by the way last weekend, go and check it out yeah. because his knockout finish of Alistair Overeem is absolutely ridiculous. But he's still relatively a baby in, in, in this game
4: into his into his professional career yet. So you know the world's is oyster in terms of raw talent. He could achieve anything. He could he could beat anybody. Um, but obviously he's on a journey at the moment and he's in a sport that is you know very unforgiving in terms of finishing there's so many ways to finish a fight in mixed martial arts that eventually we haven't seen him grapple we haven't seen him do any much jujitsu he hasn't needed to he hasn't needed to he's got a shovel of a left hand mate but eventually someone could take him down but there you go that's what maybe he's more made for boxing he originally wanted to be a professional boxer
2: yeah yeah he did um Um, Plenty to come on the show. Lawrence O'Call is going to be with us very, very shortly for a little bit of a chat, and hopefully we're going to be speaking to Matt Macklin, who's over in New York for Michael Conlon's fight on the uh, Lomachenko-Rigondau undercard uh, from Madison Square Garden. Let's get a little bit of an update from the uh, uh, Copper Box. I'm looking, it's just at the end of the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dom, what's uh, what's been going on, my friend? Well, we're
3: actually into round five now, and I tell you what, James DeGale's not having it all his own way. I'd say it's about level two rounds apiece going into this one, because Truex has come with plenty of ambition in rounds three and four, causing DeGale some problems, and... Maybe there is a, just a little bit of reticence, and Truax is letting his hands go. And, and James De is in a little bit of trouble in round five. Jim Macdonald, his trainer in the corner, going into this round was telling him to be sensible, use his head, and, and use his movement and his attributes. But Truax has gone out there, all guns blazing in this one, and he's been told by his corner he can knock out De Gale. So that's why De Gale is finding it a little bit, well, a bit livelier to say the least. And he's wearing a bit of claret now. He's got a cut. I think it might just be from the nose or, or whatever, but it's certainly not plain sailing. This is not the homecoming that. His supporters, or De Gale, had wished for at this stage plenty to go. Of course, just round five, but certainly Truex has come with ambition, and he's showing it in this.
2: Unbelievable! Um, this, this is this can't happen, can it? This, if he gets beat tonight, this derails 2018. George Groves, uh, Chris Eubank Jr., Callum Smith, the uh, crossover with David Benavidez, the WBC champion. All those go out the window if he gets beat here tonight. Absolutely,
4: you know, he's done two years on the road, two years, hard years on the road. And if it, if the wheels come off tonight, you know, it's, how does he rebuild then? We're talking about him trying to build a fan base here in London to move into 2018. If he were to lose here, not only does he lose his belt, he loses any kind of recognition
2: with the fans, and that fan base is gone. Mm. Um, stick with us, plenty to come on the show tonight. By the way, uh, if you're wondering where Gareth is tonight, he's there, he's ringside. And hopefully... Uh, <laughs> With the way that this fight's going at this moment in time, Gareth might not be speaking to James McGill later on, but we'll get Gareth's thoughts on this uh, in around about an hour from now, live from uh, the Copper Box. Uh, Gareth, by the way, this week, caught up with Billy Joe Saunders, who's got a cracking fight coming up uh, next week against David Lemieux. Uh, we'll get that interview to you at, uh, just after 11 o'clock, so make sure you stick around, all right? Coming up next, Lawrence Socoli on Fight Night. This is Talk Sport. During uh, the news there, myself and Nick are just having a little bit of a look at the screens. Uh, Six round just finished. Uh, James De Gale at the Copper Box, uh, Dom. It's, it's looking untidy, this to say the least, isn't it?
3: Yeah, he regrouped a little bit, De Gale, in the sixth round, uh, working off the back foot a little bit, just trying to stay out of a lot of danger. The fifth was torrid in the extreme. He took a right shellacking. I mean, he was eating right hands all the way through that, and and Truax obviously gaining massively in confidence. And just looking at De Gale's face, you know, he's had you know good treatment in terms of to to just clean himself up. He, he seems to have a slightly damaged mouth. He, he took a big right hand when his jaw was open as well, which is. Mm never clever and also with that operation he's had to correct the deviated septum in his nose he's taken some damage there you just wonder how much that's affected him because you know Truex has done his homework no doubt about it he's really tried to put it on De Gale and and test De Gale's body and that's got to play in De Gale's head so as we go into 7th this really is uh, it's been a hard night whatever happens now for James De Gale but he'll show he'll throw true champion spirit if he can properly turn this one around it's probably fairly tight on the cards but I'd yeah. certainly have Truex uh, just a, a, a tiny bit ahead now because of that absolute hammering De gale took in the 5th
2: Nice one, Dom. Thank you very much. I've just had a quick look at the uh, cards from the uh, pundits that are doing uh, ringside. I think it's Richie Woodall. He's got it level. But I'd agree with what Dom's just said. They're slightly ahead through acts. Uh, We will get back to that uh, in the next 10 to 15 minutes, if it's still going, of course. Uh, You're listening to Talk Sport. This is Fight Night with me, Adam Catterall. Uh, My uh, trusted colleague, Nick uh, Pete is with me right now. And I think it's only fair that we get a a special guest on the show. Now, listen, right, when I introduce him in a minute, yeah, you can't call him by his proper name. I just want you to refer to him as The Source. all right? You'll know why in a minute. Listen, if you don't know who Lawrence O'Coli is, take a listen to this, it'll give you an idea.
5: So obviously I started boxing, I was working at McDonald's and, then, um, you know, managed to get myself into the Great Britain team. Fortunately, I was good enough to get to the 2016 Olympics. Um, now that I've turned professional, everything's changing. I'm getting noticed on the road when I go out. I'm getting more money than I've ever gotten. I'm just taking everything on my stride and just building.
3: A 2016 Rio Olympian with a perfect professional record from Hackney London. He
0: is the fourth Lawrence. has got him going early here and the barrage is fairly relentless
2: One of the most important things is the body that's just got him there straight to the solar plexus and he's felt that Russell Hedger did not see that coming As soon as you say
0: that, down he goes and his eyes don't look very focused huh? they don't look very clear the referee, Rhys Cartwright, is counting him and
4: the and it... wiped it
0: off the towel has come in anyway well his head has been bounced
4: around here by Coley. a referee Kieran McCann scores this contest 59 to 54
3: in favour of the winner still undefeated the sauce Lawrence
2: O'Coley. that's a very good stoppage by the referee there is no need to take any more punishment Russell Henshaw was outgunned and Lawrence Colley
6: gets the fourth win of his career and once again in that first
7: round
2: The sauce is on the show tonight, let me tell you, he's added a little bit of spice, that's what he's doing. Us two Muppets can't carry the show, we need a little bit of sauce, that's what it is. Lawrence, welcome to the show, mate, how are you?
5: <laughs> I, I'm good, I'm blushing, I'm black, but I'm definitely blushing right now. That was a, that was a very, very good entrance, it was, it, was, it was good for me to go on that journey with you, do you know what I mean? I, I, yeah, like, man. That. I like that.
2: Listen, just regarding nicknames, yeah, who comes up yeah. with them? Because if you're sat there at home thinking, what am I going to call myself? What am I going to give the MC yeah. as a nickname? You know what I mean? And you're sitting yeah. there referring to yourself as the source, bro. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not- a bit
5: egotistical, I'm telling yeah, you, Lawrence. Of course, of course, I'm with <laughs> you. No, I think that, listen, nicknames get bestowed upon you most times. Some people mm. um, put them on themselves. But I think in my case, it was just, um, it just came naturally. And I didn't even want to call myself the source, But when I got my first pair of uh, professional boxing shorts, it had it on it. And once you're thrown in the deep end, sometimes you just got to swim. And uh, I've been swimming in the sauce ever since.
2: You've been running with it, man. You've been (laughs) dishing out the sauce. You've been dishing out the sauce in this professional game, man. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, before we talk about, um, obviously, everything that you've been doing inside the ring, I uh, I noticed a couple of weeks ago that you were participating in uh, an anti-bullying week, which I, I was fascinated by. And I saw that you went back to your previous school and what have you. And you were talking yeah. about, obviously, your experiences at school. And, this, yeah. and and you gave a couple of speeches to some of the kids. What was that like, man, going back there?
5: Yeah, it was it was good. Um, well, if anything, more than good. I mean, I'm motivated. I train hard every day anyway. But when I went into my old school and thought to myself, wow, there was a time when I was sitting on them benches with uh, my school friends and now I'm here and the, the words that I'm given might be able to motivate some of those kids. It was a surreal feeling how the roles mm-hmm. have reversed where I was one student listening to the speeches of other people now be giving it. So to, and with kids as well, what you find is that whatever they're feeling, they're expressing their face. So when I was getting such positive reactions from the kids, yeah. Um, with what I was saying it, it was touching so I think it sort of changed my mindset drastically where in boxing I've been very like ah, you know what it's a, it's, a, it's a dangerous sport you've got to be savage for you know vicious reasons but I realised that hold on a minute I could win to motivate others as well so that's kind of what I got from that
2: you've got a great story as well man I mean the, the it's not, I don't think it's any secret that you know what I mean. You enjoyed it. You <laughs> enjoyed a little bit of food when you were a kid. You know, didn't you?
5: Enjoyed. I still enjoy it now. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, a, little bit, a little bit more uh, strict on it.
2: You were, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't want to out you here, but when you were 15, yeah. 16 years of age, you were 19 stone.
5: Yeah, yeah. That going on. Yeah, 15, 16. Yeah, just a big boy
2: yeah yeah and then obviously when at at what point did you think to yourself right okay was it a fitness thing or was it because you took your boxing seriously that kicked you on to obviously shed what not even enough six seven stone
5: yeah no it was more a case of um the doctors telling me listen because i was having you know knee problems so on and so forth and i went to the gp to find out about this and it's because i was clinically obese and i thought that i had to make a change then um, so thank goodness, you know, I started boxing and, um, yeah, we pushed on.
2: Regarding that, because that kind of leads me on nicely to the, to the boxing career, right? Because you've got to have some type of mindset to be able to go through that. There's loads of people that will be listening to this now that are overweight and think to themselves, oh, I need to, I need to do summer, I need to shed some pounds. I need to do something. But it's the mindset of getting, yeah. getting going. You know what I mean? Now you've obviously yeah. gone through that and been, have become successful and lost that weight. Yeah. Does that, I'm guessing that that now helps you in your professional boxing career, that like anything po- is possible type of mentality.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And also what it showed me is consistency is key. So it's one thing, you know, wanting to lose weight, et etc., et cetera, and going to the gym for, you know, a week, two weeks, a month. It's about consistently week after week, day after day, month after month, putting in the work, and then eventually you'll see the results. So it's the same thing now that I've trained, lost the weight, is I want to be a world champion. Hmm. I want to be unified. So I might not be able to see it today, the same way I couldn't see six packs back like then, but yeah. knowing putting in the work, putting in the self-belief, it will end up showing dividends later on. And it, I said to myself, I wanted eight packs. I ended up with six packs. <laughs> I've, got
2: cool. pack, I've got a family bumper pack, mate. I've got a family bumper pack. Listen, <laughs> I, I,
5: and if that's, what you, if that's what you wanted, then you know what I mean, that's <laughs> what you've got. But for me, um, then I ended up with six packs. Am I happy with them? Absolutely. Good, so man. I want to be... The highest-paid, uh, most famous um, boxer on the planet. If I don't reach that, it's okay. But I'm going to put in as much work as I can to get there.
4: You're certainly uh, racing towards it, Lawrence. This is your Wednesday. will be your seventh fight in your debut year as a professional. Yeah. What, what's the rush? What, what's
5: the rush? Um, what's the rush? I think that it's a case of I'm just a thirsty for wins and also thirsty for knowledge in terms of boxing. So that goes inside the ring, outside the ring. Mm, every time i have a fight i'm learning more about myself so i didn't have a long amateur career i had 26 by the time i completely finished i got into the great britain team with 15 amateur fights so anyone that knows much about amateur boxing knows that that's with still being a novice Mm. so there was a rush there so i've always had a rushed sort of career i mean i boxed against some of the best fighters in the world before i'd ever even had 20 fights Mm. Then going to the Olympics with 23. So long story short, I feel like I learn best under high pressure, ambitious um, circumstances. Um, so I just want to continue that as a professional. So the circumstances now, sorry if I'm rambling on, but the circumstances <laughs> now are fighting regularly. So I always have to stay in shape, always have to be in the gym, yeah, not yeah. going on a holiday. That's yeah. what I'm learning now. Okay, boxing on a massive show, boxing on a little show. Boxing in New York Hall, boxing in Wembley, boxing in Cardiff, you know, opponents pulling out last minute, being afloat. It's all different things that I have to learn. Handling pressure outside the ring. Like, every time I fight, there's the pressure of you want to win. But then there's also the expectation. All those kids that send me messages, all those people that say, wow, you went to Olympics with such little cry. Oh, wow, this. I want to win for them as well, so that my story keeps going. Because right now I've done okay. I've done well, you know. I lost weight, stopped working at McDonald's, turned professional with the best promoter in the world, and I'm doing my thing. But the journey has still got more to give. So the more that I give to the sport, and the more that I push myself, the more the further that my story can travel. So that's what motivates me.
2: Lawrence, how um how have these next gen shows helped you? Because me and Nick, well, Nick's a massive fan of these next gen shows. It's one of them where young fighters like yourself can get on there. Uh, and be exposed to, obviously, boxing fans, but there's not too much pressure on there. It, 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 it's explained to boxing fans, listen, this is the next generation of guys, they're learning at this moment in time. You've obviously got one of these coming up on, uh, on Wednesday. We're dead excited about it, man. Those, those new additions to the boxing calendar must have helped you as well in that learning experience.
5: Absolutely. I mean, um, what I find with boxing at places like York Hall, it's a very intimate so the crowd is right on top of you. As you yeah. walk into the ring, they can touch you. And you have to deal with crowd interaction as well as staying focused for the fight. Mm. I think also it brings the fans and the fighters closer together and in terms of that. It's not, you know, the O2 or something where you can only see them as they walk in and out. It's like you're in there mixed with the fans. Mm-hmm. Another thing, like you said, you're high up on a bill, but there's low. it's not a massive bill. So you've got the pressure of being high on a bill but without the pressure of tens of thousands of fans there. So it's definitely good. And also, you know, it just gives, it gets everyone exposed. And I think, that, well, especially at Matchroom, there's definitely sort of like, as much as the individual sport, there's a, there's a lot of team sort of feel to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm.
2: Absolutely, man. Listen, I'm, uh, just before we let you go, because I know that you're getting on with your, uh, your Saturday evening, obviously fighting this weekend. We want you to get your rest. Yeah. You get this out the way on on uh, Wednesday. 2018 is going to be a big year. Isaac Chamberlain, is it happening? Give it to me. Give it to me. Is it happening?
5: Um, really? You guys need to. I mean, this is great for his profile. You guys need to get him on the show to answer that question. We've already agreed. So, what you realize in life is that some people are talkers and some people are. (laughs) Uh,
2: This is (laughs) what I like, Lawrence. This is it. Go on, give it me.
5: (laughs) No, but I'll be honest with you. Myself, I was an Olympian. I've turned pro. This is my debut year. I haven't been pro for nine months. And already, I'm geared up to fight someone who's ranked in the top four or five in Britain in my first year. He's been pro for over three years, has done nothing like it. Now, my team and I have already agreed to the fight, said that we're good to go. Yet, the warrior has still not signed. Their team, who say that I'll be the easiest fight, has still not signed. So what I'm asking is, I need to handle business on Wednesday. But why are they trying to rob the British fans of an amazing occasion? I don't know. You have to find out from them. But for me, I'm ready to go. I fought against top fighters. an amateur, I'm not afraid to do it as a pro. So um, we'll, have some, we'll have some fun. I handle business on Wednesday. And then um, we can really have some fun.
2: Looking forward to it, man. Enjoy Wednesday night. Top man, Lawrence O'Cole on the show. What a, what a guy, hey, What a guy. Uh, stick around because we're going to get an update from um, the James DeGale fight, which is currently going on at the Copper Box. They're into the 10th round. We'll catch up with Don McGuinness next. Well, this is a night that uh, James DeGale didn't really, well, he doesn't really fancy any of this at this moment in time. Don McGuinness, give us a little bit of an update, please. Well,
3: we're 10 rounds down. It's going to have to be a huge six minutes of James DeGale, or he could well be losing his IBF Super Middleweight title because Caleb Truax has, has done an excellent job. Whatever happens, he's put on a huge performance. Now, DeGale, if he can, just show a little bit more urgency in these final six minutes. He may well get the decision, but I would have Truax ahead at this point. Again, like the fifth, a good spell in that tent that had DeGale in trouble. He couldn't get off the road. Hopes. Doesn't seem like the old James DeGale. Whether or not there's confidence in his body, whether or not his nose damage, his jaw damage has affected his performance, or whether or not Truex has just done his homework superbly well and knew mm. exactly how to negate all the qualities of DeGale. DeGale's been on the back foot for the last five or six rounds after a bright start, and Truex, who did tire in round seven, eight, nine, he seems to be now trying to finish a game with a bit of a second wind, and that spells bad news. And obviously operating on the back foot, as far as the judges are concerned, never normally a good look. So DeGale, it's been a torrid Torrid night. Whatever happens, if he can just see it through, and obviously set up what could be a great 2018, then hopefully he can do that. But he's going to have to. He's going to have to really, really battle now for the, the remaining for the, the, the latter stages of the round 11 and certainly round 12.
2: Thanks, Don. Much appreciated. We'll get uh, the result of that fight in the next six minutes. Make sure you keep us on. Uh, this is Fight Night on Talksport, and every single week we go to the Hall of Fame. <laughs>
7: Hall
2: of Fame. Uh, every single week, we select something from way back in the day and stick it in the Hall of Fame. We've had trilogy fights, we've had fighters, uh, we've had certain incidents uh, that have happened within fights. And today, we're doing something a little bit different where we're sticking a set of fans into the Hall of Fame. Uh, because yesterday, the 8th of December, It was 10 years to the day. That's going to make a few people feel a little bit old. old. It's 10 years to the day where, well, whether it was 5,000 or 35,000, I don't actually know the exact numbers because so many people tell me that they were there, uh, exaggerating the fact, uh, that uh, went over to support Ricky Hatton in his uh, showdown with Floyd Money Mayweather. 10 years to the day. Now, officially, the official stat is that 6,000... Ricky Hatton fans went over uh, to the United States of America to support him uh, in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You were there, my friend. Yeah, much more than six thousand, weren't there? Definitely
4: a lot more than six thousand. <laughs> I'd say twelve is probably a bit more of an accurate estimate. You know, so uh, I'd love to know how they work these things out. How the you know there was probably six thousand in the arena. Yeah, but what people don't appreciate is every single casino. Was full of Ricky Hatton fans. Well, on check the this show. out.
2: Check this out, right? This is a this is an excerpt from the the American commentary that night. Obviously, I don't think the Americans really knew what was coming over when Ricky Hatton rocked into town. Take a listen to this.
7: It is rocking in Las Vegas tonight. Here's the live shot inside the sold out MGM Grand Garden Arena, and the electricity in the
5: crowd. We
7: haven't seen too much of it lately. I'll tell you. Look at the
4: enthusiasm and their singing. Song of course
3: he take off of Winter Wonderland, and it's been like this all night. It was like this on the plane flying here from the eastern part of the United States. It has been a holiday. It has been a celebration, all brought by the British boxing fans. And how many guys? can fight in another country and bring the home crowd with him and fill up the house. It does not happen, but it happens
2: here with Ricky Hatton. And it only happens Ricky Hatton. I think at the time we take that this... Was my tra- drum, by the way. Listen, we take this purely for granted. We yeah. lived through that era. We were lucky enough to support him at home and away. Uh, we've been at many of his fights, and we kind of got caught up in it, that it would last forever, things like that, and yeah. maybe those fans would transcend onto another fighter. I think the closest modern day, would you say, is Carl Frampton? Yeah, possibly,
4: but you know, even Carl isn't doing these kind of numbers. You know, I, I followed Ricky throughout his entire career, and the nights in Manchester were sensational. But the days on the road, you know, I was at both the Mayweather and the Pacquiao fights, and they were just like that. It was an absolute carnival. You know, I'm talking like the, the kinds of occasions which you, you'll remember for the rest of your life. Because even though we lost, you know, we lost both those fights, mm. the, the fans made the occasion so special, and that's why, you know, again, Frampton, Hatton, these are guys that resonate with. Fans you can relate to these guys they're just like they're just like you and me I think that's what James DeGale's missed out on in his career you know just to bring it back to who, from what I can see is still struggling in this fight so I think what happened with Ricky Hatton is like a once-in-a-lifetime athlete, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you were in that moment, you know, Nas was sensational and everything else. We've been spoiled recently over the last 10, 20 years. But Ricky Hatton, what happened in Manchester throughout Ricky Hatton's career was very special indeed.
2: Mm, absolutely very special indeed. Um, we're not even going to talk about the fight. Yes, okay, it didn't happen. 10th round stoppage, Mayweather got the victory. Yeah. Joe Cortez. Joe Cortez on. wrecked <laughs> our <laughs> night. Let's, bring Joe Let's Cortez have a go on experience. at Joe Cortez, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let him hug him. Let him get on the inside, Joe. Exactly. What's the matter with you? Come Why on, are you protecting Joe? Money Mayweather? Why are you protecting him? You, you denied us one of the greatest nights of boxing history. Yeah. Listen, it wasn't to be on that night, but... Ricky Hatton, I think you have rightly smashed it on the head. He was the man of the people. He was the people's champion. He was the guy that you could have a pint with and then you could go and watch him have a little bit of a scrap. And he very, very, very rarely let us down. Even defeat, he didn't let us down. And as you said, those two epic nights uh, in Las Vegas, once against Mayweather, once against uh, Pacquiao, didn't go his way, but what a following went out there to uh, enjoy those nights. So therefore, tonight's Hall of Fame is you. If you are a Ricky Hatton fan, if you've ever bought a ticket for a Ricky Hatton fight, if you've been on the road and watched him against Mayweather in Vegas, you're now in the Hall of Fame.
1: On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight nights with Adam Catterall on TalkSport.
2: It's absolutely flying by tonight. It's myself and Nick Pete in the studio. Gareth Davies Davis is at the Copper Box. He's just witnessed something... Extraordinary. We'll be speaking to Gareth in the next half an hour or so. Dom McGuinness has been keeping us up to date with everything regarding James DeGale and Caleb Truex. I'm not going to spoil it for you, Dom. Tell us what's just happened.
3: Well, just previously, I thought Lee Selby had a fairly tough night, but he came over the line and got through, got the job done. But this is a, a real shock because James DeGale has lost his IBF super middleweight title. to a 16-1 outsider, and, and Caleb Truax, he really had done his homework. It was an awful night for James DeGale. He started brightly enough in the opening round, but remember, he's been out of the ring 11 months. That last fight, he had a war that was probably the toughest war he could ever have anticipated against Badu Jack. He lost a couple of teeth, his nose was damaged. Obviously, he had that right shoulder operation shortly mm-hmm. after. Now, And I think that after a bright enough start the confidence in his body wasn't there he wasn't boxing the way James DeGale could and Truax just was on him all the time Truax nearly stopped him in the fifth round, it was a fantastic performance and, and I think that it's a good result for boxing as, as sickened as, as everybody listening is probably for James DeGale now Dave Paris scored it one one four one one four a draw but the other two officials, 115 112, 112, and mm. I have to say that's about right yeah. uh, Truax, you can't argue that fella deserves to leave, leave the ring as he is now with that belt over his shoulder, it's horrible for James DeGale, it just wasn't there for him, there'll already be suggestions that he's a shot fighter, George Groves has already been on Twitter saying that it's gone mate, give it up, or something to paraphrase, and he's going to get that now, because of course the 2018 had been planned, there was David Benavides but also of course the winner of the World Boxing Super Series, I've just mentioned George Groves, that Mm. one, that one could always be hyped up again, that was the only previous defeat on the record of James DeGale after that draw from Badu Jack, but I think you, you can look at all sorts of factors his ring rustiness, the body letting himself down, hard fights. Just a, an awful, awful night for James Gale, but a fantastic one for Cable Truax, who, who came, had a plan, stuck to his plan, put him on him. Fifth round, tenth round were particularly eye-catching, stayed out of trouble in the end, the, the last six minutes, and deservedly the American gets the belt.
2: Dom, thanks a lot, mate. I'll let you get and have a little bit of a nausea in at James DeGale's uh, interview there. If we can't get hold of him later on with Gareth, which I'm anticipating we won't after a terrible night like that, it'd be interesting to see what he's got to say about that performance. So hopefully we'll check in with you you again in the next 10 minutes or so. Dom, wow. James DeGale losing his super middleweight championship kind of wrecks everything that we anticipated in 2018. We'll have more on this in the next 15 to 20 minutes. I just want to point our attention now Uh, towards more fighting, which we're all dead excited about. As soon as we finish this show, it's on, it's slippers on. We might get ourselves a nice little cognac, put our feet up because there's some excellent, excellent shows. Not only is your mate Stephen Smith fighting tonight over in Mandalay Bay, taking on Francisco Vargas. We'll speak about that in a bit. Uh, But over in New York, the Irish have taken over, mate. They've absolutely taken over. They do it every single time. He, We were speaking about um, fighters with, uh, with fan bases. Michael Conlon is slowly building one up. And a lot of people, even though he's only on the undercard tonight, and going over to check him out, he is building up a lovely little following, especially in New York City and the man uh, that is helping him mastermind that. He's, uh well, he's a, he's been on here many many times talking about his own escapades in the ring, winning uh, many many titles down the years. Matt Macklin, uh, the the man who fronts up MTK. Matt, welcome to the show, mate. How are you?
6: Thanks. Just uh, just kind of about to get ready here now to go over the, to uh, Madison Square Garden. Looking forward to the fights tonight.
2: Should be an absolute cracker. How's um, Michael feeling at this moment in time? It's water off a duck's back for a kid like him. He's uh, He's been here many, many times before. He looks like he's always, he's never got a smile off his face.
6: Yeah, he's uh, chilled out, you know, experienced beyond his years and beyond his few uh, professional fights, but, you know, very extensive amateur career, travelled the world, sparked in two Olympic Games, won a, world, won a gold medal at the World Championships, European Championships, etc., etc. So, uh, yeah, taking it all in his stride, you know, had that unbelievable pro debut mm. main event and his pro debut in a sold out madison square garden conor mcgregor carrying out the irish flag etc mm-hmm. so yeah he's um he's kind of he's been groomed for superstardom from early doors and he's uh he's very relaxed right now i'm sure he'll have his uh you know the, the nerves the butterflies which but they're a good thing like i say, they help you perform to the best of your ability
2: you can tell when someone's good, when uh, the management team go et cetera, et cetera, when reeling off the list of all these fantastic achievements. There's too many. There's it's too many easy. to go through, Nick. Too many to go through. But, <laughs> through. but even as a
4: pro, though, you know any young fighter coming through must be thinking, I've got to be looked after by MTK and Matt Macklin, because look at what Colin's done. He's only four fights into his career. He's headlined at Madison Square Garden. He's played chief supporter Manny Pacquiao out yeah. in Australia. He's headlined other cards. He headlined in Chicago, and now he's chief supporter Lomachenko Ragondo, one of the greatest fights in the history of boxing in terms of two Olympic gold med- two double Olympic gold medalists yeah. fighting for the first time ever.
2: Matt listen if anybody signs off the back of this conversation 10% for us <laughs> he's just big you right up there mate big you right up. <laughs> listen top of the bill I know that obviously your main focus tonight is Michael he comes through his and obviously planning a fantastic 2018 for him but you, you as a boxing purist mate your mouth must be absolutely salivating at what the main event is all about tonight
6: yeah, well, when I was kind of coming through the, the amateur ranks um, just before I turned professional, you know, Rigando was the, you know, he was the pound for pound. He was the number one guy that everyone was talking about, everyone was watching. He was just so gifted. He was practically unbeatable, really. And, uh, you know, he's, um, he's had a funny pro career. You know, he turned, mm. he turned pro late on in, in life, you know, for, for, for a professional. But he was so gifted. It was like, you know, this, this guy could probably win a world title in his first fight, as was Lomachenko, who actually did. I think it was in his second fight, he fought yeah. for it. But, I mean, I think the difference in the two is that Lamachenko does it in a fan-friendly style where, uh, you know, Riggandau has been criticised to be dropped by HBO before in the past, even though he beat Benair, who at the time was, like, fire of the year. Uh, but, he, you know, he has, that, he has that kind of counter-punching style ingrained to him over the years where he just thinks about getting the point, getting the point, safety first, doesn't take risks. And, you know, unfortunately, in professional boxing, it's not just about... Winning medals is about, you know, bums on seats, it's about pay-per-view buys. Mm-hmm. about, you know, you've, you've got to, you no know, one says you have to be in a tour of Gassi every single time, but you, you can't just think the place out every time and just win. And, you know, he hasn't really kind of mastered that well. Lamachenko, as good as he is. He, he does it. He also does it in an exciting,
2: entertaining fashion. Yeah, he does, mate. Don't don't get Nick started on Lomachenko. We'll be here all day, mate. He won't shut up about him. He can't get enough of the kid. Um, Regarding um, this tonight, we've got to give a little bit of kudos to Rigondeau. He stepped up 2 weight categories in order to try and make this fight happen because I think he knows that he needs a legacy type of fight. Lomachenko is the the boy that everybody is uh, is referring to, especially with the pedigree in the Olympic Games, two double-goal medalists. I watched them on the scales yesterday, Matt, and you probably saw this yourself being there with Michael. Lomachenko looks massive. He looks absolutely huge compared to Rigondeaux, surely that's going to tell in this fight later on.
6: Well, you know what, when Floyd Mayweather was fighting Conor McGregor, and they were talking about the weight difference. Floyd Mayweather said, "Weight doesn't win fights. Fighting wins fights." And mm. you know, Rigando, he he's that fast and that good. Yeah, you know. He, he he could make a fight, you know, he doesn't, with him, size, physicality. And, you know, when you look at Lomachenko's style of fighting, he's it, not really a, a physical fight. You know, he's not like a Ricky Hatton type fight where mm. he gets hold of you, he stays on the inside, he holds you with one hand, hits you with the other, kind of leans on you, really forces, you know, you know kind of overpowers you with his physical strength. It, 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 neither guy fights like that, really. They're both superbly skilled, great tacticians, you know, technical ability, seconds to none. So, you know, size, I'm not sure how much of a size is going to really come into play. I think the, um, the, the what will hurt Rigando, I think, is, is in, inactivity, you know, and also mm. his age, 37 years old, being inactive, where you look at Lamachenko, he's got good momentum coming into this fight. His confidence is sky high. Uh, he's very active, you know. So from that point of view, I lean towards Lomachenko. i I think Lomachenko wins the fight. I think he's just come at the right time for him and maybe the wrong time for Rigando, but you you know you could never uh you could never really bet against Rigando could you? I no. think
4: Rigondo, though, is, is style as well, Matt. He always starts bright. He gets a couple of rounds in the bank and then he gets on that back foot and he just, you know, coasts his way to victories, obviously, which, which we were talking about earlier. But I, I think he's going to struggle to win rounds early on against Lomachenko to get his nose in front. And I think we may see a different side of Rigondo. We may have to see Rigondo actually fight because for so, so far in his 17 fight professional career, we've seen him box that and we've seen him absolutely box the socks off people. But I think in this fight, he might actually have to get in there. Bite down on his gum shield and let some big shots go.
6: Well, well, well from a boxing fan watching this fight, that, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping really. <laughs> and I, and I think it could happen because, because you know, I don't want it to end up being a fight that we're all kind of, you know, it's highly anticipated and it just be a letdown. It's a bit of a snooze fest. Where, you know, I do think that Lomachenko will bring the best out in Rigando. I think he'll make him fight. He'll, you know, he will. You know, Rigando probably put on that performance that we all know is capable of, but hasn't really delivered in the professional ranks. And I think that'll be because Lemachenko will make him fight. Whether that's enough then to go on and beat Lomachenko, I'm not sure. At this stage of his career and at 37 years old, I'd probably say not. But I do have a feeling that Lomachenko will make Rigando fight and hopefully bring the best out in him.
2: Fingers crossed, mate. We're looking forward to it. Listen, I know that you're uh, on your way to uh, um, the arena at this moment in time. I just want to grab you just quickly... MTK at this moment in time is blowing up. I know that we were having a bit of a laugh at the start of this conversation, but it le- legitimately is, obviously. Carl Frampton now part of the stable. Um, I know that you've signed up uh, Tyson Fury. Billy Joe, Billy Joe's in action next week. It's all exciting time. Just on Tyson as well. We've got the hearing on Monday, so you must be pretty confident if you're signing him as part of a management deal that that's all going to get tied up, all going to get sorted, and we're going to see him back in the ring in 2018.
7: Yeah, I
6: think he will. I think everyone in boxing wants Tyson Fury to be back in boxing. You know, he's, he's one of the, you know, he's been controversial at times and sometimes maybe he says the wrong things, but you cannot uh, dispute his ability. And he's probably, for me, he's got to be the funniest guy on social media. The <laughs> guy is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And you know what? Boxing needs characters. And Tyson mm. Fury's up there with, with the best characters ever. And, uh, yeah, you know, like I say, love him or hate him, you're talking about him and he he's a funny guy and, and he's a great fighter, you know, whatever way, whatever you want to say about him, he beat Klitschko and Klitschko was still the man and uh he went over to Germany, he was underestimated. But uh, you know, he went in there and he uh he, he put on a great performance and he won the fight easily and uh you know, it's been a shame what's happened since but hopefully that's behind him. He gets his hearing out of the way, puts a win or two together and then look for him hit the fight with him and Joshua, you know, that could be the biggest fight of all time.
2: Could be, yeah. Matt, listen, enjoy New York tonight, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the show. Good luck to Michael. Uh, Sensational Michael Conlon in action tonight on the undercard of uh, Lomachenko, Rigon Dow. We're going to talk about Stephen Smith as well uh, in a couple of moments time. Make sure you stick around for that. I just want to go back to Don McGuinness because everything's died down now at the Copper Box. James DeGale's done his post uh, fight interview. Twitter's blowing up. People are going crazy on social media. Don, what's what's been the post-fight reaction? Firstly, what's James said? What's Frank said? And what's social media said? Yeah,
3: well, well, firstly, James DeGale said that he thinks he might have rushed back a bit. I mean, the surgeon that he'd said in the lead-up to this fight had had said you're going to need a year for the shoulder to fully heal. Of course, he had shoulder surgery after the Badoo-Jack fight back in January. So 11 months out, he felt he was right. He did say prior to the fight as well, so this is nothing after the fight, that there was a bit of stiffness in the right arm. But looking at the performance tonight, he didn't let his hands go. There was no fluidity that you'd normally associate with a James DeGale slick performance didn 't let the right hand go it, it, it wasn't really there throughout the fight, so th- there is a valid valid kind of argument there, but he also you know said that he has to change things. He says he thought he won the fight he's going to have to go back now and sort out a lot of things now it's ominous when you hear fighters talk like that they 're going to have to change a lot of things, but you know that, what that means we we will wait and see but You know, he thought he'd won the fight. He he mentioned that he didn't think there was a rematch clause in the contract, but obviously he wants a rematch. He'd like to to try and do that. Interestingly, Frank Warren, even though some ringside observers actually had DeGale nicking the fight, well, Frank Warren, the promoter, he said, nah, Truax... He won the fight. There was yeah. no argument there, which was good to hear. And again, yeah. as I mentioned before, I think the decision and the scoring from the referees you know, gives people confidence in boxing again, because it was a fair result in James DeGale's hometown. Uh, so, And again, Frank Warren mirroring that. He said that he had a word with the corner you know, in round, after round 10, saying he, he's, he, he's got to step it up, and then after round 11, it's a knockout or he loses the belt. So Warren knew exactly the predicament that DeGale was in. In terms of social media, I mentioned before that George Groves has had his say, <laughs> telling his old mate to call it a- day, he ain't there, he ain't got it no more Uh, now an interesting one, Chris Eubank Jr., And this is what he's had to say oh, on I'm Twitter. looking forward
2: to this, though. Go on, son. This Let's is put what he
3: up. says. Go on. After all the trash talk and disrespectful comments at James DeGale 1, you go and put on a display like that. All I can say is, wow, you've properly let down British boxing, hashtag shameful. <laughs> so as, <laughs> there's going to be more of that as well, of course. Uh, <sighs> you know, and uh, again, Badu Jack's been on there to congratulate True Axe as well. Uh, yeah. But you know, lots of reaction, of course. It's a huge, huge shock. I think Frank Warren will get some credit for having that honest uh, praise of his man but but overall just an incredibly disappointing night and and you could see it James DeGale was so so disappointed and again looking a little bit bashed up he was looking horribly bashed up after his last fight and you just wonder you know is the body again we, we've we seen it with, obviously recent times with with David Hayes maybe James DeGale's body is it just letting him down now has he been in a couple of wars that last one has it taken its effect there's so many imponderables really but I suppose from Frank Warren's point of view from DeGale and, and his team they probably want to try and right that wrong and get that rematch if they possibly can
2: Top man, Dom. Thank you very much for uh, going through all that for us. Uh, lots still to come on the show. This is going to go on and go on. I've no doubt this is going to be on but throughout the whole course of the week. Uh, it's a massive shock from the Copper Box tonight. James DeGale getting beat. Uh, by Caleb Truex. The IBF champion has lost his belt. We've got a new super middleweight champion and that kind of changes the whole dynamic as well of the super middleweight landscape of which I've no doubt we'll get stuck into over the next 15 to 20 minutes. Make sure you stick around. Uh, next week, uh, Billy Joe Saunders is in action against David Lemieux. Uh, my uh, uh, normal colleague, Gareth A. Davis, has caught up with him uh, this week for a little bit of a chat and you're going to be able to hear that chat next on Fight Night.
7: Steel Snoop
0: Dogg and D.I. 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 Guess who's back?
2: Uh, if you're just joining us on TalkSport Fight Night, uh, the big news from the world of boxing is that James DeGale has lost his IBF super middleweight world title. Caleb Truex beat him. Majority decision at the Copper Box Arena. <sighs> he put on a performance. I know that a lot of it will be made about James DeGale obviously not performing, and he didn't. He wasn't the normal James DeGale, but first play to Caleb Truex, he came to his backyard Uh, and took that title off him. No questions uh, from us here in the studio. He was absolutely sensational. We'll be catching up with Gareth A. Davis as well uh, very shortly to get his reaction uh, on that fight. And Gareth himself has been catching up uh, with another one of our world champions, the WBO middleweight champion of the world, Billy Joe Saunders, who is uh, uh, fighting David Lemieux next weekend. Gareth caught up with him and his trainer Dominic Ingle and started by asking about their Canadian training camp
7: some people would think it was a bit of a ball's ache going out here three weeks before but um, Dom said listen we'll go out there time you get into um, Montreal he said it feels like home and uh, it feels like it already to be honest with you well, I've adapted now to the time zone uh, you know the first seven days was a bit shifty like sleeping waking up sleeping waking up but now you know it's just like I'm at home I'm, uh, I know everyone here know the surroundings uh, made myself um, Known in the area, like so. I'm, I'm very um, happy the way
8: things go. You've always said, Billy Joe, that the, 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 the better the opponent, the more you step up. And, and you know, this guy's really dangerous with his power. I mean, I've said it myself um, all the way since this was announced. This is a brilliant fight for you in many ways because it's an opportunity for you to silence any doubters that there may be left. The, yeah. the, a, an ability for you to be up against a very dangerous puncher against whom you can show almost your complete array of boxing skills. And then it really does, a, a victory over this guy makes it untenable for either Golovkin or Canelo not to fight you. Most
7: definitely, look, I mean, I know that um, them, them guys, Golovkin and Canelo, they're not, they're not scared, but it could be risky business for them. So they're thinking, all right, well, you know, he dealt with him on road comfortably. He's now fighting David Lemieux. Let's see how he pans out against him. You know, I can see their way of thinking. They've got a big fight, big money fight between each other. So I don't blame them for taking that. But I rightly want to earn my shot at one of the best. You know, David Lemieux, good fighter, strong come forward. But, Gareth, if I can't beat him, then I'm not as good as what I think. And... I'm not worthy to be in there with Glofkin so that's just the bottom line of it
8: and and you know we, we, we know that you felt physically kind of in terms of fitness we know what a, a taskmaster Dom, Dom Ingle is what what have you know are, are you in brilliant shape for this fight are you you know are you on weight Listen, there,
7: there, there's nothing left unturned for this fight Gareth. I've been in the gym six months now for this date um, you know William Monroe camp I had a week out straight back up Sheffield and didn't go home so, you know, that's where I'm at with it. It's, it is what it is. I, you know, you can't play around at this level. Um, and I know that. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have took myself away for six months. But, look, it's got to be done. I'm feeling very fit, feeling very strong. Um, just want to go out here and showcase my skills.
8: And where, where where are the dangers for you, for those listening? Where are the dangers um, with with Lemieux?
7: Well, the dangers is that, you know, people seem to think that... Um, I fade out, I switch off. If you switch off or fade out against this fella, you're going to get knocked out, simple as that.
8: As you rightly say, you've got to do the job and, and you've got to be switched on for those entire 36 minutes, every second of those 36 minutes. But did you did you have no hesitation when the opportunity came up to fight in in, uh, in, in Quebec?
7: Yeah. Oh, look, everyone wants Angle Varnage. Loved Angle Varnage, but... If I'm gonna want to go and fight Canelo and Golovkin, I weighed it all up. I didn't just make a decision. I think, oh yeah, I go. You know, I weighed everything up. And this is a good experience for me because I'm not going. I'm not coming over here to get The Same as if I go over and fight Canelo in Mexico. If I go and fight Golovkin in Kazakhstan, I'm not going over there to get big. So this is an apprenticeship, a learning curve for me. You know, going away from home for the first time, testing the water. Please God, good performance, good win. And, uh, you know, give me experience for when I travel again.
8: And there was a slight urgency, I suppose, in that, you know, that things have stalled a little bit for a, for about a year. So you just wanted to get the bit between your teeth and move things on.
7: Well, I said this year I want to be up twice. That was what I said to myself. And that was a goal I set. Uh, and if I didn't, if I didn't, uh, you know, put that goal in the back of the net, I'd have been a bit disappointed in myself. You know, I don't want to be once a year I I want to be two, three times, four times a year now. You know, 28 now, I'm in my prime, you know, I woke up, smelled the coffee a little bit, um, time don't wait, and uh, I'm at, you know, I'm in a good place, I'm at a good uh, place at the uh, Eagle Gym in Sheffield, away from home, with Solid Fighters, who's in the gym night and the day, so it gives me no excuse, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not seeing someone walk around like a fat slob and eating rubbish, they're all eating clean, and it's, I'm just following the herd, to be honest with you.
8: Billy, I wish you all the best of luck against David Lemieux um, on Saturday night defending your WBO uh, middleweight title. I understand um, Dom is there with you as well. Is there any chance of having a word with him? I
7: will put Dominic
8: Ingle on for you. G. Hi there, Dom. Um, well, obviously, Billy Joe sounds incredibly confident. Um, he sounds yeah. crystal clear in his mind, the lucidity that we have yeah, yeah. used to um, seeing with him under you. Um, yeah. You know, what kind of shape's he in and was it the right move to go out three weeks in advance?
1: Yeah, listen, you
0: know, by his own admission, he's he's been the world's worst at times, but if you think about this one, you know, Lemieux boxed in May, Billy had boxed last December and he spent a lot of time out of the gym and he was dragging his feet to get back in and, you know, he's he's been great because he he came to me and he trained for Monroe. he put in a good 12 weeks and he only had one week off and he was straight back into camp again and carrying over that fitness from one camp to the next has been the best thing you can do you know he wanted to box twice this year he's boxing twice this year and you know he came into the back into the gym yeah he was a little bit overweight because he ate what he wanted to but he was still fit and that carried on to the next camp and said, this camp's been brilliant his weight's good his fitness is good his sparring's good and you know we're out here in Canada three weeks before and the first week you know the first five days was, was terrible with the jet lag uh, and then he's got over that, and his training's you know picked up from there. He's used to it. He's fit. He's sharp. He's looking forward to his. You know, Billy likes to win and cause a bit of trouble. He's going to the kids' backyard. You know, be winding Lemieux up. He's going to Montreal, and uh, you know the crowd's set against him, and that'll only spare him on.
8: David Lemieux is a very dangerous opponent, but it, but in another way, his style really suits Billy for this fight. I know it's something I've said the whole time, and do, do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what you see is what you get with David Lemieux. He doesn't fight any, you know. He, he can probably, you know, he can probably box, you know, better than he does. But as with most fighters, they, they they do what comes easiest to them. And for Lemieux, you know, it's to try and go out there and knock people out. Um, so you know. We've had we've had Billy sparring guys like I said before. I've spoken to a few people who sparred him. Um, you know, J- Jason Quigley, and um, you know they said the same thing. You know, you can see everything coming. You can see everything coming at you. Um, you know, just don't get caught with it.
8: Lovely. Well, it's great to speak to you both. Uh, I wish you all the best over the next seven days with the weight cut and all those kind of things. So it's great to speak to you both, and the best of luck against David Lemieux next weekend in Montreal. Thanks, Gareth.
2: Uh, Gareth A. Davis there catching up with Billy Joe Saunders and his trainer, Dominic Ingle. They've been out in Montreal now for a couple of weeks, uh, getting stuck into a fight that we can enjoy next weekend, which kind of finishes off our year a little bit disappointing because we're all looking forward to Hay Bellu on the 17th, but on the 16th, it'll kind of be our uh, season finale as Billy Joe Saunders defends that world title. And we'll catch up with uh, Gareth as well in a couple of moments because he's at the Copper Box tonight for the James DeGale fight. It's a dangerous fight this next week, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, Billy Joe's a, a sensational fighter. We love him as a boxer. Um, in the fight against Willie Munro he kind of stank it a little bit because Willie Munro didn't want to engage Mm -hmm. that's not going to be the case next weekend because Lemieux wants to engage he loves to come forward he loves to look for a knockout Billy's going to have to be razor sharp. If he's not razor sharp next week, he'll lose his world title. Yeah, and he's not been razor sharp for a long time, Adam, let's be honest. His last couple of defences have
4: been pretty flat. You know, the Billy Joe that beat Eubank Jr., we haven't seen him since. The one that
2: beat Andy Lee was sensational. Yeah,
4: exactly. So, you know, we we really, we need to to rediscover himself next weekend or I truly do believe he'll lose his belt. I've got to be honest, I've seen nothing from Billy Joe in the last 18 months to make me think or or even two years, to make me think that he's got the ability to go out to Canada and retain his belt. I think the writing's on the wall. I think tonight, and seeing De DeGale be exposed, uh, obviously you know, these things kind of happen in patterns, don't they? And, you know, Frank Warren's made a big sign and big world champion sign in DeGale. He loses his belt straight into the following weekend, uh, and you've got Billy Joe putting his belt on the line in Canada against a massive puncher, mm. who's got a massive following in Canada as well. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, I can see Billy Joe hitting the canvas here, getting back up because he's a fighting man, he's brave. I think he'll go to distance, but I think he's going to have to get off the canvas He'll probably lose on points. Here in the UK, he may have got, mm. he may get a decision. I just don't fancy him going to Canada. I really don't. It's
2: a sign of where his career's at at this moment in time, isn't it? That he's the champ, he's the established champ. He's been there for a period of time and he's having to travel to get a name.
4: Yeah, exactly. It, well, you know, obviously this, this fight will have gone to bids and uh, Lemo has got a big following in Canada and they've obviously put more money on the table and hence the reason why Billy Joe's going over there. Listen, if you can go there and get the job done, he's exactly right. You know, he puts himself in pole position to fight the winner of. Canelo versus Triple G if that fight ever comes up Mm. but then you know there's another guy called Daniel Jacobs in New York he's certainly a a great and is a far bigger name in uh, North America as well to fight the winner of that fight also so he's got to put in a massive performance against him or even to put his name in the frame but for me going up there it's just a lot of risk
2: involved and at this stage I don't know after tonight Adam I just don't fancy it no more Mm. Uh, for those that are uh, well up on mandatories and stuff like that Canelo's actually been made the WBO mandatory Uh, you never know. You never know what might happen in this game. I hope that Billy Joe Saunders comes through that because I think he's a supremely talented individual and hopefully he can come through that fight and maybe set up a super fight with Canelo. But as Nick said, it's a tough one against David Lemieux. Uh, now, Gareth A. Davis did that chat for us there uh, with Billy Joe Saunders. He's at the Copper Box tonight. That's why he's not in the studio. Um, hopefully, he'll be speaking to James DeGale. We might be, I think it might be a little bit... Uh, um, I think we might be uh, um, p- p- believing that that might happen a little bit too much after what's just happened to uh, James DeGale, but we'll be speaking to Gareth Davies next, live from the Copper Box. Don't go anywhere.
7: Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm
2: rocking my penis. What's up with fear? Uh, so to come on Fight Night, a little bit of Cultural Corner, how reality TV affects the fan base's... Of our fighters, Amir Khan in the jungle this week voted out last night, if I'm not mistaken. If you listen to this on the podcast, by the way, that makes no sense whatsoever because it could have been whenever. It was Friday night in the UK when he got voted out there, and I've no doubt his fan base has grown. Uh, because he showed a little bit of personality. How will that affect a fight in 2018? We'll be discussing it in the next 15 minutes. Make sure you stick around. It did wonders for David Ayer, didn't it? Uh, Now, normally in the studio with me, Gareth Ayer Davis is sat here. We're talking all things boxing, all things UFC, shouting and screaming at each other. But today... He's given me a night off and he's gone to go and shout and scream at other people. Uh, And I've no doubt his voice uh, was slightly raised uh, when his good friend James DeGale was fighting tonight. He's lost his super middleweight uh, crown as James. Gareth, live from the Copper Box. How are you, mate? You good?
8: Very good, thanks, Adam,
9: Nick. Um, I'm here at the uh, very crestfallen post-fight news conference. Frank Warren's talking, addressing the media at the moment. A disastrous homecoming for James DeGale, really, against a guy who, in the IDF, is ranked number 15 and box wreck. Mm. Caleb Truex is number 55 super middleweight in the world. And, you know, we're just talking through with Frank now about James's tactics in the fights. You know, he seemed to sit back on the ropes. Um, uh, too much, he got hurt in the fifth round, his nose was broken, and he never really got into the fight. And, you know, he talked to us, didn't he, last week, Adam, when yeah. he was in the studio, about the fact that he'd only been using the shoulder for seven or eight weeks. Mm. And it really showed in this fight. There was no snap there. He looked a of the ghost of it, of the kind of slick, southpaw, fast-moving fighter that he is normally. And, you know, Caleb Truex deserved the victory. Mm. Um, Dave Paris scored a 114, 114. You cannot score that fight a draw. No. Um, um, you know Truax, you know the Yul Brynner lookalike, if you like, um, drilled his way into James. He sat on the ropes. He didn't throw enough. No. Um, I think he had a couple of opportunities to maybe stop Truax himself as he tired. But this was a disaster in many ways, Adam Nick. You know.
2: Mate, um, Well, Nick was saying just in the break there that, in a way, it is a disaster, no question. He's lost his belt, and 2018 with a belt on the line would have been fantastic for him going forward, especially from May onwards once the World Boxing Super Series finishes. However, Groves Eubank Jr. happens in February. Surely James degale is now set up for the loser of that fight. Yeah.
9: Well, stranger things have happened. I mean, Frank Warren's saying, of course, that um, um, with uh, James DeGale managed by Al Heyman, they could always try and get Caleb Truex in for a rematch, which they will probably try and do. They'll offer him a lot of money to come back or the Gale will have to go over there. But like you say, it does potentially put him, he's a free agent, as he told us last week, so it does put him in the frame if he wants to fight in the Muhammad Ali trophy. But yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, what, what I worry about for James in this, I mean, he, he hasn't appeared after the fight. He's obviously, you know, kind of devastated yeah. by what happened tonight. I mean, he really didn't look like himself in there. Um, and you know but there, there are who knows how much that that battle of brooklyn took out of him against Badu jack back in january mm-hmm. you know, where he had the bridge in his teeth knocked out you know he fought with a torn rotator cuff you know his nose is broken again tonight his nose is broken in the fifth round by the way mm-hmm. um so yeah you know who knows with james he's not talked about retirement afterwards you know he, he gave credit to Caleb truex after the fight but this really was like a, a C, a grade C version of James Gale. This isn't the guy that won Olympic gold and is dazzled with his South southpaw skills, frankly. Hmm.
4: How much that, of this was down to Truax, though, Gareth? You know, watching on TV here in the studio, it, it looked like he'd just done his homework. He took the fight to DeGale. Uh, you know, there was times in the fight he really hurt DeGale. I've never seen yeah. DeGale hit like that oh, before. Even in the absolutely. Badu Jack fight, he hadn't been hit like that.
9: No, absolutely. I mean, there were times when he had to grit his teeth and fight hard against uh against a jack, of course. But in the fifth round, it looked like Truex had him nailed. Mm. Um, I think that was the round that he probably broke his nose. He made his face a bloody mask. I think you're absolutely spot on, Nick. I think had decided he was going to settle back on the ropes and counter. But Truex actually drove him. He bulled him. He, he kind of shelled him back into the, onto, the, onto the ropes as well, and it suited him. And Gale looked like he was going to try and counter with his left hand from the ropes. Didn't hardly throw a jab. Um, and like you say, his tactics were totally wrong. Frank Warren agreed with that just now in the post-fight news conference. That he said, "When I speak to James, I'll tell him he got his tactics totally wrong." But you just wonder sometimes. James, thirty-one, mm. you know, he's, he's been he's been a boxer a very long time since he was ten years old. Sometimes guys do age overnight, and those questions will have to be asked now. He didn't. He lacked this kind of that kind of desire in this fight. I thought he looked mm. so lethargic. It was almost like you wanted to whip him to get him back on. I just thought there was an injury. It, it was such a bizarre performance, wasn't it, from James?
2: Mm. Um, I'll tell you what is a, a very cruel place, not necessarily on fight night. We're always very nice to our fighters, but social media is brutal on a night like this, and uh, mm. everybody started already. Obviously, the world champions have uh, been having a little bit of a go, the likes of George Groves and uh, Chris. He told them to him hang ball. him up, didn't he?
8: Didn't yeah, he has. He has
2: yeah, yeah. But there's a, there'll, there'll be other fighters, maybe looking away from James DeGale and looking towards Caleb Truex and thinking to themselves, hey, Maybe I can go in through the back door here. I've noticed that Rocky Fielding, for example, sent a little bit of a message out. He's number five with the IBF. He could... uh, Out of all the champions, I mean, we spoke about this last week, Gareth. Out of all the champions now, Caleb Truex, there'll be a massive marker on his back. People will want a piece of that pie, won't they? Oh,
9: oh, definitely. I mean, Caleb Truex has just basically made himself a million dollars by winning tonight. Yeah, I mean yeah. um you know he, he's gonna get an immediate if he's not if he's not managed by Al Heyman, he will be by about uh, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning I think. Um because uh, Al Al Heymans very likely to sign him up. And maybe I can get you to have a word with Frank Warren who's here with me. Um no he's busy at the moment. No oh. he, he's joking. Um Frank you were you were unhappy with um with with, with James's tactics tonight, weren't you? On tour squad. I
2: have Frank
9: well, yeah, no, 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 I was unhappy. I just felt that he spent too much time on the ropes and uh, and, and that made, um, you know, let the other guy get his shots off. And that fifth round was quite a torrid round for him, but he'd come for it. Um, he's broken his nose, he's, off, he's gone off to hospital. So it was, uh, you know, pretty much of a, um, you know, not a great homie coming
6: for him.
2: Frank, what is the, um, the obviously it's just happened, so therefore the dust will settle on this, but what in your head is the is the immediate thought process? Is it, let's try and get him straight back for a rematch? Yeah, that's what I think should happen. And obviously I speak to his people in the States, Al Hamer who looks after him and see where we go from there. Frank, listen. I'll uh, let the dust settle on this for you. Thank you so much uh, for taking a, a small, a small moment to talk to us. Uh, I know it's not been the uh, greatest night uh, for James. It's okay. uh, for James, it
6: hasn't been, but there have been some good, good fights. So. Listen, anyway,
2: thank you. Listen, Frank, we're massive fans of Triple D, and he just keeps putting kids over. You're going to find very, it's very oh, hard to find a heavyweight for him, him to fight, me. mate. My
6: scary monster. No,
2: <laughs> 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 listen, thanks, Frank. Much appreciated. All right, right. Um, Frank. All right. Hi, Adam. We were just saying there, the reason why we were laughing at the end there is that Triple D... I, oh. Yes, James James is the thing that most people will talk about off the back of tonight. Um, and Selby, you know, at times, he had a, he had a tough uh, scrap in there as well. But Triple D and even Anthony Yard, he came through a little bit of a tough spelling there. Uh, there's still a lot of positives to come out of that card for Frank.
7: Oh, absolutely. Um,
9: look, Lee Selby... Um, look, it didn't matter whether Lee Selby... It does matter whether he wins or loses. But, I mean, if he if lost tonight, he doesn't lose his IBF title because uh, yeah. I won't go into the complications, but obviously Eduardo Ramirez weighed in uh, too heavy in the pre-weight check in eight pounds over, and he couldn't shave enough weight off for the, for the boxing board to be happy about his, the safety procedure. So, you know, he, he put up a great fight, Ramirez, um, to be honest. Um, mm. but I thought you know, the Welsh Mayweather's brilliant, isn't he? I mean, he showed all his skills, body head, body head, you know, I mean, I want, I want to see him fight in a giant circus tent in Barry Island, and I want us to go down there with the show. And, um, <laughs> but I thought, you know, double, Triple D, Dynamite Dubois, Dorian Darch, again, talking about Wales, half of yeah. Aberdare would have been hiding me on their sofas tonight after that first round.
2: Mm. They probably felt, the, back, punch, man. They probably probably felt the punch, mate.
9: They probably felt the punch. came back, I was sitting right in front of where he came to his corner after the first round. You should have seen his face. It was like, why have I signed up to fight this bloke? It was written all over his face a dynamite like Dubois is so dangerous. He is so exciting. I mean, there were some people in Frank Warren's camp tonight, boys, saying that, um, God, maybe we should put him in for a title fight um, within the next two or three fights. But I think they need to manage him really slowly, really carefully. Because really, early 2019, if, they, if he has seven or eight fights till then, yeah. maybe nine, ten, he could, he's a contender to fight Anthony Joshua. I you could think, be right. I, I can't wait to see it.
2: No, you're probably right there, Matt. And we, can't, we keep forgetting. He's only 20. Let's yeah. just hold back. He's only 20 years of age.
9: And, that, and, and you know what? And that, and that is the thing about him. That's why they can't rush him. Because, hmm. we, we, you know, we get older. We look at young athletes. You've got to remember, you know, he hasn't got his man strength yet, you know? He's, got, <laughs> he's, he's a huge man. But the thing is, mentally, he's still got to develop. Emotionally, he's still got to develop. Yeah. And those are the areas where he's got to learn things. And, no, absolutely. and you know... It's very much the same, Adam. Um, I'm happy to stay on in the next segment. I don't know whether you're getting rid of me, but I wanted to talk about Anthony Yard as well.
2: Go on, carry um, on. You're all right. You're fine. You're, yeah, we'll yeah, go to a break sorry. in a minute. You're sure, mate. Go on. Because Anthony Yard was. He got the
9: first real proper test of his career tonight, yeah. which I thought was fascinating. Um, because if that's the right pronunciation. Well done. Of it. Well done,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
9: that's that's the Montenegrin, the the I'll call him that from now on, Nicola, um, the Montenegrin. You know, he'd never been stopped in his career. 37 yeah. fights.
5: Mm. You know,
9: he you know, he'd fought some decent names, very decent names. Uh, you know, so I thought it was a really good performance because he gave Yard a couple of boxing issues. Yeah, he did. In, I don't know, the second or third round. And, and Yard came through, he had a little think. But my God, he's dangerous and powerful again. You know, that like, guy's never been stopped. He did a number on him, you know.
2: No, exciting times. Listen, are you going for uh, a tequila now? Is that where you're off? No, I've got to drive home. One doesn't oh, think you can drive I, Of I, course I, you don't.
9: I do, I, I, I do love under the influence, not drinking under the influence. No,
2: yeah, okay. Well, when you get home, you have a little tequila, mate, just to calm yourself down, all right, because you've had an exciting <laughs> night. <laughs> I'll see you next week, all right, lad? Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. Top, man. Thanks, Top, man. man. That's nice. what well, Gareth said. Uh, Gareth, uh, live from the uh, Copper Box. Back in the studio next week as we preview a bit of Billy Joe Sonners. And uh, we'll obviously be doing our roundup of the year as well. Some Christmas specials coming your way as well. Uh, exciting night at the Copper Box. The big headline, though, just in case you've only just tuned in James DeGale has lost his IBF super middleweight crown. Caleb Trix is the new champion who's just put a target on his back and probably made himself a few quid. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. We'll let her come back. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. We've only got a few minutes left. It's flown, on not it, son? Easy. Time Crazy. flies when you're having fun. If you've enjoyed the show or if you've joined the show late, uh, you can get this show via a podcast. It'll be available uh, sometime tomorrow. Keep an eye on my social media feed, at Adam Catterall. I will put a link on there so therefore you can keep up to date with what Lawrence Cicoli had to say a little earlier on. He was top class, wasn't he? Bags, of, yeah. bags of personality. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders has been on the show ahead of his fight. Um, next week, and Matt Macklin was on the show a little earlier on as well, who was in great spirits. I'd be in great spirits as well if I was in New York City ready to go to Lomachenko versus Rig on Dow. Uh, So it'll all be available for you on a podcast this week. Now, uh, to finish off the show every single week, we uh, we bring in our feature, Cultural Corner. Now, today, I've changed the music for Cultural Corner today, and the reason why I've changed the music for it uh, is because I want to talk about the effects of reality television on people's fan bases, fighters' fan bases, when they mm-hmm. participate in these particular television shows. Yep. Uh, we saw how a particular TV show did for David Hay, and I anticipate that a particular TV show is going to do wonders for Amir Khan. I couldn't resist it, Nicky boy! I couldn't resist
4: it! Who's who? Are you Ant or am I, deck? I don't Oh, know.
2: don't even begin that. Did you ever see the hairline? Surely you're Ant. Yeah, but I'm smaller than you. That's, I've got to be. That's also yeah. awesome yeah. true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Amir Khan's been in the jungle just in case you've been living under a rock and not understanding what that uh, cultural reference is. It has uh, dominated Catterall Towers. I've no doubt it's dominated your house as well. My wife absolutely loves this show, and to be fair, I have had a little bit of an interest with Amir Khan being in there. I wanted to know what he was all about because I didn't want him in the jungle. I wanted him to fight Kel Brook is what I wanted him to do. But in a way, he's gone out there, done what he's done. And he's kind of made the Kell Brook fight even more attractive, yeah. has he not?
4: He's made it much bigger, yeah. Financially, it's much bigger because obviously there's a completely different fan base that want to see Amir Khan in his next fight, whoever it may be. Mm. And the winner of that will either be Kel Brook or it will give Amir... Also, let's bear in mind here, Amir's come out of there very light, yeah. much lighter than Kel Brook now, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it may well provide him with the armoury and the, and the fan base to sell out an arena in the UK without Kell mm. That's my only concern.
2: Well, we saw David Hare go into the jungle off the back of his first retirement yeah. when, he, when he told us, I'm not fighting after 31 years of age. it's all done, I've yeah. done what I needed to do, I'm going to go and explore some other avenues. Wanted to do movies and what have you, so he went into a reality TV show and it did wonders for his fan base. So much so that when he did decide to come back he fought nobody's. Let's be honest, in his first two fights, mm-hmm. he fought absolutely nobody. He sold out the O2 arena, <laughs> sold it out within a matter of seconds just because David Haye was fighting, because of this brand spanking new fan vest that he'd managed to acquire. And it had three million viewers on uh, free to earth subscription TV channel Dave. Mm-hmm. Three million people watched his first fight against Mark DeMoney, who nobody's ever even heard of. Yes. Now, with all due respect to David Haye, when he was fighting he didn't have that celebrity crossover uh, fan base that Anthony Joshua's got at this moment in time. Anthony Joshua's already got those types of uh, people going to a, an Anthony Joshua event and then going on a night out afterwards. Mm-hmm. David Hayes now got that, and he yeah, got that absolutely. from going in the jungle. Can Amir Khan do the same thing, do you think? I
4: think so, yeah, definitely. You know, Amir's obviously plied his trade over in the U.S., you know, in more recent years. That's where he's made his most money. He's been in big fights. um, And we've been desperate to see him back on UK shores. But I covered his entire career when he was based in the UK, especially. And um, when he was based here, he wasn't, you know, he he would get good numbers to Bolton Arena and everything else. But they were very much hardcore fans and they were always on cards filled with ticket sellers as well. It wasn't just Amir driving the card. But after his performance in the jungle, you're right, Amir Khan's next fight, whatever it might be in the UK, they could announce that tomorrow. And say it's versus TBC, and you would sell ten, twenty thousand tickets mm. on the strength of the fact that now is the housewives' favourite. Everybody loves him. Suddenly, Amir Khan has transformed himself to being
2: one of the most popular celebrities. a celebrity, yeah, of a celebrity exactly. rather than a fighter. That's exactly it, yeah. mm. um, it's kind of uh, made me smile yesterday that when he did come out of the jungle, his Instagram straight away he posted a picture because he's lost a bit of timber as Amir whilst he's been in the yeah. jungle. Uh, now we all know that Cal Brook will be fighting. Uh, we are hearing in March mm-hmm. uh, at 154 pounds. Brook used to be the IBF champion at 147 pounds. Finding it a struggle to get down, so now he's going to be fighting at 154 pounds. The rumour is Sam Egginson will be into, that yep, fight in right. March, alright? Um, so he's put that out there. I'm moving up in weight 154 pounds. Yep. That's mean,
4: Amir Amir's been boxing prior to the jungle.
2: Uh, Amir Khan's been boxing at uh, 160, for yeah, Canelo yeah. at 100, 160. He's been at 154 pounds, all these different weights weight classes. He's now posted an Instagram post yesterday, straight fresh out the jungle, yeah. Back to me fighting weight 147 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> the
4: things people will do to oh, a
2: Mate, he's put it right in there, hasn't he? And having said that, though, the 154 pound weight division in the UK is quite entertaining at this moment because last week Miguel Cotto lost his belt to Saddam Ali. Uh, Liam Smith is the WBO mandatory challenger for that belt. Um, he was the previous champion as well. He lost that to Canelo. So he could be in the mix for a fight there to become the WBO champ. Kel Brooks now fighting at 154 pounds. Don't get me wrong, there's some killers in this weight division. The Charlos, Harry Lara yep. all these types of characters are absolutely sensational. But we'd love to see Amir Khan in that mix. Come on, Amir. Don't go down to 147 because, let's be honest, it's a shark pool at 147, son. Go up to 154, where maybe it's a crocodile pool. All right. <laughs> Get yourself involved in some of those fights because that will be absolutely sensational. I mentioned Liam Smith there. Just before we finish the show, just give a little bit of a kudos to a fellow scouser of yours fighting in Vegas tonight at Mandalay Bay. Stephen yeah. Smith taking on Francisco Vargas. What a fantastic fight that is. It is, yeah, and
4: it's on a card with two other super featherweight world title fights on there, so it's kind of like a Unofficial, official, eliminated, if you like, for a world title. First scouser to box in Las Vegas in 40 years since John Conte. Phenomenal moment for the Smith family and for Stephen. Two world titles and two world title failures previously. Feels like his last chance saloon, this one. It's a
2: relevance fight for both of them.
4: Completely, you know, and I think if Stephen Smith can start brightly tonight and get a couple of rounds in the bank, I think he's got the ability to box his way to a finish. But the first four or five rounds are going to be tough.
2: There you go. It's happening in the early hours of the morning. That one's on Sky Sports. The Lomachenko Rig on one on Box Nation. There's lots to entertain yourself with tonight in the early hours uh, of your Sunday morning. Thank you so much for listening to us on TalkSport Fight Night. Nick, thank you very much for being with me, my man. Um, You can catch this on a podcast. It'll be on my social media, at Adam Catterall, at some point, either tomorrow or Monday morning, because I want you to come back and enjoy the show. We'll be back next week for a little bit of Billy Joe Saunders talk.